taken us back 65.5 million years to the time of dinosaurs. This is really old school. Tyrannosaurus, that's the chorus. Tyrannosaurus, that's the chorus. Tyrannosaurus, that's the chorus. What's the chorus? Tyrannosaurus. Hey, I'm a Tyrannosaurus. Hey, kids. I have Paul De Silva and Orlan here with me. What's that? Is it a bird? Is it an angel? Is it a gin? An ifrit? Lion? Pixie? It's all of the above. I am Seb and this is Beast of the Week, Constructing Old School Magic. What are we talking about today, Olan? Uh, today we are talking about the famous deck, Paul De Silva dot deck, designed by Paul De Silva. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, and I, I already have some questions here because there seems to be a big, big mistake. <laughs> it's Olan. Olan calls it Paul De Silva dot. Paul the Silva dot deck because okay. dot dot deck was the old fire magic fire magic deck names had the file extension of dot deck dec. Uh, okay, so it's and it's basically his deck. I I would consider it. Yeah, and what Paul would you say is the essence of your kind of deck because you've been going about with the same version and you've been adapting it and playing different kind of versions of it? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, for the record, I would say that I've always called it my five color good stuff deck and other people have called it Paul the Silva dot deck. <laughs> so okay. uh, I, I'm not uh, claiming to have my own deck, but here I am with one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I guess like basically the backbone of the deck was that I, I wanted to use Birds of Paradise in a deck and figure out the best deck that would emerge from birds. So I started with four birds and the rest is uh, what sort of fell into place and evolved over time. Hmm. Um, so, so really like I always consider it like it's my five color good stuff deck. But hmm. uh, as I guess we'll look in, in the last you know couple tournaments, I've started to shed colors. And so it's no longer five color. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, maybe it should be called the Silver Dot deck. But <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, one thing about like the five color good stuff, because in at least in Gothenburg we always ca- call Kalle Nord's deck like five color good stuff because he always plays really five color good stuff. Hmm. Um, so that's that's why I think Paul the Silva Dot deck is suitable for this one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know about uh, there was a precedent for that name already. I think I just. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I, I actually think I submitted the deck to um, Eternal Weekend like two years ago. And then when I saw the tournament report, um, Jayco had called it Five Color Gasoline Fire. All <laughs> and <right>. so <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, it's, I guess it's that. I didn't have a name for the deck before that. And I was like, oh, okay, it's a five color, five color gas deck. So I just started calling it Five Color Good Stuff deck, you know. But the um, gas is actually, uh, it's kind of creature oriented 
mm-hmm. along the way, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it's very much a creature, uh, creature heavy. I guess I called it like mid range for a long time um, mm-hmm. because it has fatter creatures like Ernie's, and it has splashier spells like, you know, um, uh, brain geyser and stuff like that. So like big yeah. spells that do big things and big creatures that aren't coming out until you know turn four or five if it's natural um so yeah, yeah. it is a little bit more mid-rangey it's not so it's not as it's aggressive. ramping kind of yeah like with the birds because birds ramp yeah exactly yeah and you have like the power the power nine and everything so mm-hmm. it's in the mid section of whatever yeah uh, and you've been going up and down also we come into that later but yeah i regarding the name uh, i didn't know exactly what we should call it or if we have settled on it. So I made three suggestions mm-hmm. and maybe we should just go with Paul Deceva.tech then. <laughs> it sounds better, but okay. Uh, I'll give you the suggestions and you can grade them from one to five. Orlan, you can, you can also be with me on this, all right? So the first suggestion is... Paul's Ark. <laughs> like, if you have, if you want to put all the creatures and save them and put them somewhere, it's Paul's Ark. Okay? That's the first one. That would be nice um, if it was like two of every creature, you know? So yeah. Can, uh, yeah. You know, repopulate You're Dominia. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I also tried to get a more like, because. It's not real rhyming, but I tried to put in some more syllables in it. So uh, I all also thought about Paul de Silva's magic villa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, uh, any of them? Are both of them a no-go so far? Uh, uh, let's hear what you have to say on the other on the other ones. First. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the third one. Uh, I don't even know if I remember it right now. It's, uh, yeah, uh, Jurassic Paul. Hmm. <laughs> I like that one. So, <laughs> it's because it's similar to our, uh, like uh, Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. So, and we have all the creatures there. But now we also have, what what was it? Not turbo gasoline. What did he call it in Eternal Weekend? Uh, he called it five color gasoline, I think. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like that, though. And Olam, let's go you first. You're still on the poldesilva.tech. Yeah, but Jurassic Paul was actually kind of good. And <laughs> I would just like to make a note that um, I used to play a deck called Fantasy Zoo, but I think this is even more Fantasy Zoo with the weird pixies in the, in the deck. So yeah, uh, some, something Jurassic or Sue. So I'm going with uh, Jurassic Paul as the best one, actually. Okay, okay. Paul? You know... You, you, you don't hurt my feelings, but... I would say it's funny because uh, there's a second layer to that, is that a lot of people um, say that I kind of look like young Jeff Goldblum. So You're right, uh, yeah. There's a little bit of a you know, Jurassic Park precedent there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, for the remaining of this episode, let's just uh, go with uh, Jurassic Paul and we'll we'll fill it out. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we already like mentioned you going along with birds and it's creature oriented and it's 
most mainly of every all the good stuff in all the colors but uh, uh, should we go into what you ended up with like this uh, was it loves to come yeah really recently you played uh one of your most uh, well you've been successful along the way but another successful uh, Jurassic Paul deck yeah um so the primary difference here uh was that I finally decided to cut the birds and threw in uh pixies in their place a place at a pixies and I think on one hand I I did this for one reason because um I had decided to cut the Armageddons at some point. I was playing with Armageddon for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, and I found that it was like you really are only gonna throw that Armageddon down. Like the the dream is that you you play like an Ernie, and then you play an Armageddon in the same turn, and mm. you've got the only creature on the board or something like that. Or you 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 know you play like two lions and then you Armageddon. Um, and so really Armageddon is like something where like when you're ahead, you play it to finish the game. And I found that like when I played it early in a game, like if I played like two birds and I had no creatures out and I Armageddon and it was a little more like a, you know, like a, a little more of a, a balanced thing, but it hurt my opponent a little more than it hurt me. It wasn't as good. And if it's just finishing out a game, it may as well be more creatures, you know? So I yeah. decided to cut the Armageddons. And then without the Armageddons, it sort of made the birds a little worse. And so I was thinking like, well, are the birds really that necessary here? Because a lot of times I'll get to a late game and just like, I'll be wanting to rip a threat and I rip a bird in the late game. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible. Yeah. It's um, not even an elf. It's just like, yeah, yeah. it's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, it can't even do anything. It can't finish mm-hmm. up a game. So, I decided to try cutting the birds and uh, and then I was thinking of what I should put in their place. And my curve was always a little bit weird. It was like some rampy stuff and then some bigger creatures. But I realized if I did pixies, if you look at this deck photo from LobsterCon, you can see down the creature list, it's one cost, two cost, three cost, four cost, five cost. So mm, everything yeah. is, um, you know, there's a turn order here where there's a dream turn where you... Uh, where you play turn one lion, turn two pixie, turn three uh, serendip, etc. Um, mm. And I also chose the pixies because, I mean, at least here in the U.S., uh, I don't know how it is in Sweden, but uh, shops is becoming like the number one deck. Um, mm. And I saw that at, uh, um, like, I played in the finals against uh, Svante in uh, versus Chalice at Chalice, and yeah. uh, he was on shops and the semifinals i played against somebody on shops and i think even another round or two in that tournament i played against someone on shops and so Mm -hmm. shops has like become you know uh whatever public enemy number one and uh and so pixies seems like an obvious um an obvious creature to find on the two curve it's the perfect creature really for that um Mm -hmm. situation so i went to i went to pixies and i really like how it all turned out and then to replace the slot that was those Armageddons, I chose two psionic blasts. Um, yeah. and For reach and yeah, it's just it's really great to take out a take out an opposing serendip or whatever. You know, there's so many things to use it on. 
Um, and just to finish up a game, because when you're playing a creature-heavy deck and you've got to play a creature and wait a turn to get the to get the damage in, it's mm. just like you can kind of get into this lock where your opponent, like you're late game and you're both drawing off the top and like you draw a creature and then your opponent swords it and then you throw down another creature and somehow your opponent bolts it. And um, always having to wait that one turn for the damage can really get you in the late game, like when you're trying to like you know, when you're both at like three and you're trying to finish a game. Um, so yeah, I, I like the Psionic Blast. And they yeah. they won me games at LobsterCon, for sure. But let's go walk us through your deck list, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've got, um, I'll walk down the creatures. So we've got four lions in the one drop, four pixies, and this is two drop, four dibs is the three drop, four ernies at the four, and two Sarahs as my five. Uh, those are the creatures. And then for spells, I'm running uh, four disenchants. And in the past, I would do you know two disenchants in the main and two disenchants in the side. Here, I decided to do all the disenchants in the main and put the swords in the side. Um, yeah, and you, you'd play like that in um, Ursus Chalice also. Yeah, uh, you started playing for disenchants right. instead of because I just think that that I don't. I have so many big beefy creatures in my deck that I'm not super struggling against a creature deck. Like if they're mm. dropping, you know, knights and lions and stuff, I'm kind of favored. So I don't need to worry about removing creatures too much in game one, but if it becomes a problem, I, I side them in for game two. Uh, and then we've got you know a bunch of restricted spells, power, all the jewelry, um, soul ring and orb. I'm I cut red, so I used to run what used to be five color, and now is four color. I cut wheel and fireball, and um, mm. and and how how did that work out for you? It worked out pretty well, I think. I, I, I don't know. I often wheel my opponent into things that are better than what I'm wheeling into. Um, and I think because a lot of my, my casting costs are a lot higher on creatures, I don't mm. want to wheel my opponent into like a couple one-drops and a two-drop and some smaller things that they can dump their hand with, whereas like I'm drawing like Ernie, Ernie, Sarah, um, because it takes me then three turns to reap the benefit of that wheel um so i don't know i, I cut the wheel and it seemed to work um it or, could yeah. be good since you're playing pixies and lions but but in like in your last build you played geddon also so there's yeah. a lot of variables i guess yeah i kind of like uh, cutting the wheel like as you said 
you're gonna give your opponent so many like lightning bolts, chain lightning, side mm-hmm. blasts, uh, and just um, weird atog food uh, or a trike to finish you off. Like it's, it feels uh, yeah. I think it's uh, correct to cut the wheel at least. Yeah, and so I I do have twister in there, but I would sometimes cut it in those matches where my opponent had bolts and stuff like that. Um, if they bolted me to death in game one, then like I'm taking out the, the twister in game two for sure. Um, mm. and then I have one mana drain simply because I think it's uh, it comes out of the blue. Like people don't expect me to be countering a spell. Um, and I've got so many high casting costs that if I can get a bunch of mana <laughs> off it, it's pretty insane. And it's, um, you can always tutor for it when you're in a good position and yeah. And just hold it up. Yeah, uh, that's it. And then lands is like four factories, four city brasses. And then I've always done this thing that's three, three, three on all my duels. So three tundras, three savannas, and three traps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think because I mean, Blood Moon is Blood Moon just destroys me. And <laughs> before this iteration, <laughs> basically my, pr- my my prayer was to like get a, a bird out on turn one before my opponent could put a blood moon down. Um, yeah, you're right. You did have the birds, so. Uh, yeah, so that was my blood moon hedge was birds. And now I'm like really, um, I'm really susceptible to blood moon. So that was another reason to have the four disenchants in the main was that, you know, if there's a blood moon in game one, mm. uh, maybe I can float that mana and do it. Um, I would have loved to met you in like the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did play Blood Moon and uh, I oh, yeah. weren't yeah I weren't able to play top eight, but uh, I actually did not. As you mentioned earlier, in like uh, at least in the top seeds, I guess there was a lot of uh, shops flying around, yeah. and uh, actually Blood Moon weren't that good as I like thought to begin with. Uh, yeah, because, you're shutting down their, play everything, their workshop, and they can still get around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and I played too many colors still, so maybe I, I like sandbagged myself in a way. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. The the thing is with like the workshop, if you play Blood Moon, yeah, you draw out the death, but they can still play their sushis and trikes and tetrabus. Yeah. So. Exactly, and a lot of uh, like the, they usually don't play that many colors either, so they have a lot of islands. And maybe the other, if they're playing blue, white, or blue, red, or whatever, it doesn't matter really. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, and for sure, like the four disenchants. Uh, if I played this deck, I would all, always have four disenchants in the main deck, and that's for the the abyss. Yeah, um, that, that's the two things that destroy this deck: are blood moon and the abyss. Um, if they get them out early, or if they get them out, and I I can't respond to them or deal with them in some way um those just slow the game down to a crawl um and so my my yeah that's why i've got the four um disenchants but my sideboard i keep three uh blue blasts just in case i think my opponent's bringing in that blood moon because i have to i have to get rid of it or else it destroys me and then also my sideboard is two concordant crossroads which I started playing just for the Abyss decks because um, it destroys the Abyss when it comes into play. And it then, if I'm playing against a deck that's playing Abyss, then 
they're not running creatures really unless they're doing you know factories um, or if it's a, a shops deck that brings in those abysses so usually with concordant crossroads it's pretty safe to drop it kill the abyss and then all of my creatures become you know even faster um, like a burn spell you know if a lion can become a shock that's pretty cool um, so I do like uh, concordant crossroads how did you manage against like uh, city in a bottle you do have the disenchants but like yeah you, you need the four cities in a way as we mentioned you don't have the birds any longer but maybe yeah you're the aggressor in a way if i don't know i usually city in a bottle is another one that um that's another hoser card yeah sorry there's three <laughs> cards that kind of cripple this deck but i think that with having like at this point i've got you know four lions four pixies two Sarahs and the four um, factories. Uh, mm. That's, that's what, tw- tw- 14 yeah. Um, yeah. creatures that aren't affected by um, bottle. So, mm. yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit hedged in an okay way if a bottle's coming down late. If the bottle comes down early and it's kind of getting rid of some of my cities of brass that I need and creatures that I've played, then it can be brutal, but I have to kind of just hope to disenchant it and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. As somehow I didn't run into a single bottle. All Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't run I into see. a single blood moon and I didn't run into a single bottle. <laughs> it was a lot uh, of abysses though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Abyss, but you did have like six cards at least for it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you mentioned you like, you did play red and like maybe we should go into the sideboard a bit uh, because we already mentioned it. feel that you needed or missed out on the red elemental boss then when you skipped red i mean i don't know i if you're bringing those in only against power it's mm. kind of um you know you against like, it, really. it's, it's always nice to do that to an ancestral and whatever else and a time walk and that stuff but uh if it's other blue cards that I'm worried about, the other blue cards I'd worry about would be like opposing Serendibs and, and those I'm not, I'm not really have your... afraid of opposing Serendibs. And yeah. there's not yeah. a lot of other blue cards that concern me, I guess, um, mm. unless they would be like big Modis or um, obviously it's good against the deck. If you can get some, if you can win the counterspell war there. Yeah. Um, but I also somehow did not face the deck in Lobster Comp. Okay, yeah, um, no, I haven't met. Well, and you played also. What, how did yeah. you feel about Blast and did you meet, like, what kind of decks did you meet? Because I met uh, Paul De Silva in round one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. He actually destroyed me. We, <laughs> I, I actually made a, a stupid misplay game two against him when he just started on a Mox Emerald. Uh, and I... I totally blew that one. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened? He, he was signaling he had a balance. 
and he had a balance. And I read him as he had a balance, but I didn't play accordingly. <laughs> so, so I got I got robbed on my mana and sat there and doing nothing for like seven turns. Did you do that classical thing that you do sometimes that remember this and then you like, at least I do that sometimes when I'm, when I'm trying to make a play. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, as long as I don't do this. <laughs> and then I then I then I remember that okay this is taking too long and then I do exactly the thing I shouldn't do. This is like it's like it's almost like when you play poker and you have a shitty hand and you call a bluff uh, just to show them that you knew they were bluffing and then lose with an even worse hand. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's basically how I felt after that. <laughs> I actually did one of those things you're talking about in in Lobstercom in the quarterfinals, which is unfortunately captured on stream for everyone to see was that my mm. opponent played an abyss. And so I was like, oh, okay, no creatures. I'm not playing any creatures. I got to deal with the abyss first. Unless I'm going to play like, you know, four creatures in a row or something, try to win. Um, and I thought that, and then we were top, we were just saying like, draw, go, draw, go, draw, go. And I finally just like, I drew a pixie and was like, oh, a creature, I can play this. And I, I put it down. <laughs> And then I passed the turn and then like immediately noticed the abyss was across the table. And I think I was just like, it was, yeah, one of those things I had made a mental note to remember and then forgot over the course of about 15 seconds uh, that there was a, an abyss clearly in play. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you remember, Paul, I, when I reached out to you, if you would like to talk with us about your deck, yeah. uh, I mentioned us playing at NoobCon also. Yeah. Uh, do, do you remember anything from yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that like our decks were very similar. I think yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, they were, I don't this know how similar. Swedish, I, like old school, so you don't see that many. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned you playing Fantasy Sue sometimes, but uh, yeah. but you played like uh, back then. Uh, I think I have the deck here. Yeah, you play. You still play the script sprites. Uh, you shave those off. Oh, that's like, right. Uh, but you did have like Shivan and Mahotmiyin and right. And you had Shivan too. I remember in play. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and we were both. I feel like we both got into top deck mode, and I would top deck some creature, and you would top deck the same creature, and we'd be like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. You, that's not like the usual style of play you see when you're playing old school, like people yeah. playing. Yeah, it was a fun game. I Definitely, think. yeah. Um, um, I've actually, and I, I might have mentioned this to you there, was I started doing this thing at our meetups where um, you basically, you shuffle up your one deck and then two people play off of one deck. So you both draw uh, seven from the top and each turn you draw from the same deck. And it, okay. it's kind of, it, playing against you at NoobCon felt the same way. Sorry, <laughs> at, at, um, yeah, at NoobCon felt the same way because yeah, it was yeah. like, it felt like we were almost drawing off the same deck. All the cards were the same. Yeah. Um, I, but I would highly recommend that. It's really fun to tr just try it because you end up playing kind of a mirror match and you get to see what the mirror match would look like. Um, yeah. But you also have this information like you know there's only one ancestral in the deck. So if someone uses it, it's gone or, you know, it's kind I, of. Uh, that's a lot like poker. I love the like the hang around things when you're playing. We don't. We can't do that, obviously, right now when we're mm -hmm. in lockdown, everybody. But like when you just you, you get that like in high school feeling like people just sit and wait and they that's when you can do it. Like you're talking about, like, yeah, yeah. let's just play my deck. Like I yeah, love all yeah. those like mini games because 
usually old school players they're maybe they're not like that spiky but everybody's everybody likes playing they mm -hmm. don't care about what they're playing right <laughs> it's like okay yeah let's do this game and everybody's like yeah sure like, okay what's the rules let, let, let's just do it yeah make up the rules and let's go <laughs> we actually had one of those things um, it was with my vintage deck and not my my old school deck but it was a workshop deck where we had the uh, uh, stacks championships where we played with my vintage deck and both drew from the same deck and we everyone played each other in a small tournament mm -hmm. uh, we did it a couple of years actually that's uh, cool and it's really really fun uh, yeah uh, I, I i've done that quite a lot with in different formats where you draw from the same deck and i think it's a really fun format yeah yeah we have like when you're playing uh when there's cards laying around uh, we have like we, we used to, we used to play like the, the stack, uh, and when you're playing the stack, you're, like you're taking all the cards you're seeing. If people have been drafting or whatever, you just put them in a stack face down. You like shuffle them up and everything, and you're playing Danish magic. Uh, you, do you know Olan? You must. We must have played that at some point. I have played that a lot with uh, just with ripping boosters. Um, okay. So what do you do with Danish in, magic? In Danish magic, the rules are uh, you must do everything you can do. Um, uh, like if you have a creature, you must play it. And if you have a sorcery, you must play it. If you don't do that, uh, the creature or spell gets sacrificed. So, <laughs> so you have to attack if you have a creature. You have to block if you can. If you can activate something, you have to activate it. You have infinite mana. Yeah. Uh, so basically like there's some cards that are horrible which are like you can use all the time so every time you get priority like 10 times a turn you have to activate it or it gets destroyed uh, yeah there's some small rulings like yeah 10 times and but basically it's because you don't have the mana so you have some rules surrounding it and just pick a you take one card each person take one card when you when they start playing and they need to do everything it's a silly game, but it's also that sounds like um, it sounds like how Wizards of the Coast uh, writes their AI for uh, like MTG Arena and stuff. <laughs> the robot just does everything it can <laughs> at yeah, all times. Might be right there. Yeah, in Sh Chandelure, like uh, yeah, I just yeah, in permanent. <laughs> in your sideboard and I see like some blue nice cards that I don't mm -hmm. usually see here in Sweden at least. Tell me about them, Paul. Yeah. Uh, so we've got four, which is I think maybe too many psychic purges. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, obviously psychic purge is going to be seen more over here because we're playing with him to Turok. And, uh, and so I, I always, it's weird because I feel like a year ago and longer ago in the U S there was just like mono black decks everywhere to the extent mm. that shops decks are now. Um, every other person was playing mono black, uh, because it's a cheap entry level, you know, deck and, uh, and it's good and it wins games and him 
is really powerful. So I always am putting these psychic purges in. And then I played all of LobsterCom and again, didn't really bring them in uh, until my <laughs> like semifinal match. I brought them in. But okay. um, how do they manage? Uh, not great. I think okay. uh, I'll be cutting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four uh, of. Maybe you need four, but then again, maybe they don't do the enough. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, they work in other cases too because they work. Um, they work with balance. Mm-hmm. You yeah, discard you, you're, cards. You're, you play balance in your main deck, yeah. Well, they don't work if I play balance. Uh, okay, uh, sorry. They work the if opponent the opponent plays needs balance. To, what does the card say, even? Um, the card just says, like, if you have to discard this card uh, due to an effect an opponent controls, okay. that opponent takes five damage. Um, yeah. And then the other effect of the card, which is sort of, I guess, the primary effect, is deal one damage to any target. Huh. So um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's great against mono black not only because of the um, him to Torak and not only because of him to Torak, but also because of the pump knights. So you can just yeah. do one damage to a pump knight and take it out. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and that's also through uh, like they ha- you have the you have more knights in that format, and yeah. the, the the knight that actually this card does something against. Yeah, and it, I mean it's still good against. You know, it would still be good against uh, lions and pixies and things like that. Mm. Um, but I'm not, again, because I've got beefier creatures, I'm not super worried about those things. So I'm definitely going to swap these four out. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> okay. And yeah. you, you play the, you have like uh, four, you have the swords also in your sideboard. And you already mentioned yeah. kind of why you put them there. Yeah, I've got the playset of swords in the side just because, yeah, I, I'm i not super concerned with creatures on game one. But if they've got things like Sedge Troll or um, they're somehow playing bigger creatures than I am or <laughs> I don't know. I actually... If they're I, playing, uh, if they're playing uh, Jurassic Paul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Paul 2, you know, okay, yeah. return of the, yeah, bigger, bigger... <laughs> Bigger dinos. Um, but actually, Ben Katz uh, was saying something recently that, um, I think it was Ben Katz, that he likes swords against the deck. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you sword, if all they've got is Mishra's Factories and you swords all of them, you they can't win um, by many means. Mm. So, uh, you know. I guess swords. that's kind of true, but I think it's more because of Sarah Angel than. Factories, what do you think, Olin? But, but in uh, the US, uh, no one plays uh, Sir Angel in, um, in the deck. Okay, yeah. They play, they play a, a lot of people just play the Abyss yeah. mm-hmm. main deck. But, they play yeah, the but... Abyss and try to win with Mistress Factory, or they often have one um, Fireball yeah. or something like that. I've seen a lot of American the deck players that don't even play one fireball. Uh, in in yeah. Europe, everyone plays one fireball. Right. Uh, but yeah, and then I've seen a couple of guys who play hypnotics in the sideboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with that. I've heard about that. Uh, <laughs> no, but no. but yeah, s- somehow like Queen Queen um, seems to win with his uh, hypnotics, but I don't think he boards them in that often. Mm-hmm. But because basically the mana don't. 
yeah, it doesn't do what the the deck should do, or why are we not agreeing with that? With hypnotics in the deck, mm-hmm. they are only good in the mirror. Okay. Yeah, and like I'm playing, I'm playing, uh, you know, Serendipifreets and stuff. And, yeah. So the and all of my other cre- like lions are a two one, and pixies are a two one, and like if I'm kind of relentlessly attacking every turn. All they've got is this 2-2 to block with, too. Uh, personally, I'm not super concerned about about hippies. But mm. No, no, they are, they are making a mistake if they take in hippies against you because that's, that means they are probably taking out the abyss. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you really would bring in hippies and take out the abyss against a deck that has no creatures... But those mm. decks usually have a lot of ways to deal with creatures. Like they've got uh, bolts or swords or something. So it's not, uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like a weird, those two things don't mesh to me. But Yeah, but what would you, if you would play the deck, um, what would you sideboard against the deck? If I was playing against the deck? Yeah, with your deck. Um. Yeah, uh, I mean, with this iteration... I would definitely bring in the two Concordant Crossroads um, to get rid of Abyss and to get some faster damage in there. Um, I I would say I used to think about bringing in the um, Energy Fluxes, but that was when I was playing Armageddon. And if I could Armageddon and Flux, I could yeah. like really lock the game down. And if I had like one creature out before I did that, that would be like the dream. Um, but without the Armageddon's, the flux is not as good, um, and I, I have so few disenchant targets in this deck that the fluxes just are what gets disenchanted. You know, um, nothing oh. else in my deck is worth disenchanting, like Chaos Orb, and then all I've got is Jewelry and Soul Ring. So if they if they keep their their disenchants in, like they just go for those. So I, I don't even know if that's that good to bring in. Um, bringing in Swords again, if I know my opponent is just on Mishra's factory maybe i try to just swords them away mm. um and then i obviously wouldn't bring in blue blast and i don't think i would bring in psychic purge although the deck does just try to mind twist you and i feel like a lot of deck players like when they when they tutor they're often tutoring for mind twist um and the cool thing about psychic purge damage is that it can't be countered. So once they mind twist you and those yeah. psychic purges are going away, like they're taking that much damage. There's no no response. So they'll they'll often try to mind twist you while keeping two blue up so they can like really get the mind twist in. Hmm. Um but uh Yeah, yeah, yeah since since mind twist is the real win con in the deck. Um, yeah. I mean if card advantage is the key, then you either are going to brain geyser to go up or you're going to mind twist your opponent to go down. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like the usual, like Olan is uh, mentioning now, like you like take care of everything, like play all your stuff. Then you hopefully can do the mind twist with the counter spell backup as everybody mentioned. Right. right. Yeah. So maybe psychic purge is right against the deck. It seems silly, but, um, Maybe. I guess the deck might also try to balance away your creatures. And in that case, if you're getting rid of cards, which you probably aren't because they have more cards than you. Yeah. But if you were getting rid of cards, the psychic purges would matter. Um, you're probably yeah. not, though. So, 
I don't know. It's it's probably not the right thing to bring in, but um, who knows? I definitely try to keep all my creatures because I need to be as relentless as possible. Um, so if I'm cutting things, I'm probably cutting. Um, I'm probably cutting weird utility thing like spells. Like I might cut. Um, I might cut like my regrowth or something because like what am i going to regrow that's going to really make a difference uh i don't know i would just worry about cutting creatures in that matchup yeah and that makes uh, concordant crossroads worse if you cut creatures exactly well. yeah every single um, one you cut so i would try to cut yeah i would almost even consider cutting the tutor because it's like i don't know what i tutor for against the deck that's gonna like cripple the deck so really no. It's a little bit of like a waste of a card. I would rather just rip something cool off the top instead of trying to go get my, I don't know, a creature or something. Yeah, so that's like you and you, you can't, yeah, you have the mana drain, I guess. You try to put out a threat, then maybe you get the mana drain or something if you trigger yeah. for something. Or maybe you do the mind twist like everybody does. Like if you're behind, usually someone is tutoring for something. It's either Ancestor Recall or the Mind Twist, right? Yeah, and I would definitely probably cut the Psionic Blasts um, because it, there's no creatures to do that against. It's probably just going to go to the face, so it's really not that good of a card. Except for the Mistress, I guess. For the Mistress, but I've got so many creatures to block with, I don't think it's really a problem. No, but you wanted to get rid of them so we could win. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to swords them is the thing, though. Okay, because yeah, if yeah. they can twister or they can... If they're playing recall and they yeah, just recall right. for, like, two Mishra's Factories and mm. a Counterspell or something, like, you really want to remove them from the game. Because um, the deck has so many... I feel like the deck is constantly pulling stuff out of its graveyard. Some people play multiple... Yeah, what are you stuff. playing? What are you doing that's winning against uh, shops? Against shops. Um, well, the two um, the two sideboard energy fluxes are obviously uh, amazing, um, and I do think that shops does often bring in the abyss, and so concordant crossroads is good too. But they're bringing a bunch of creatures, not that good. So uh, um, a lot of my shops games, I think, I think because I have the four disenchants in the main. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, just favored for that bit. Mm. Um, and then a lot of my creatures, for instance, like the shops is dropping a lot of four fours, like Suchi's a four four, Trike is a four four, and all that stuff. If I can drop an Ernie a four five, um, I can usually kind of stall the game down a little bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I was really powering through these shop stacks, but somehow I was. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like I should be able to. Um, but but you actually have the pixies as well, so yeah. sorry, the pixies. Uh, obviously, yeah, the pixies in the main board in the main deck. Oops, um, really, really did a lot of work because I would just they can't. There's nothing in their deck as a shops player aside from uh, chaos orb that can destroy it. Um, You're right. So if I can drop a pixie on turn two. It's it's a clock because you can't block the pixie, you can't do anything. So you've got you know, at that point a ten turn clock. And if I can drop another pixie, it gets faster from there. So um, 
that was really the knife that cut through the mm. shop's decks was the yeah. pixie putting that in like if i had played this deck with the four birds instead of the four pixies i probably wouldn't have placed the way i did um because i think i probably went up against five shops players that day <laughs> yeah between the swiss and the and the top eight and the Geddons wouldn't do anything really either because yeah. they're, they're too aggressive or they already unloaded their hand, mm -hmm. I guess. There was a lot of times, actually, that I was able to, um, like in a game one, they ramp out like a Suchi and I just disenchanted it immediately and they took four damage. Um, okay, and, uh, yeah, yeah. That's I, it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, I managed to like because I played Shadowstorm. I managed to I think do twelve damage because nice. I'm playing copy artifact <laughs> also. <laughs> so so good. Uh, but balance also kind of do that mm -hmm. for you. I think balance is a good card against because all of their threats are creatures. So yeah. Uh, but you played more artifact hate like in Ursus Chalice when you. You played two divine offerings also. Divine offerings, yeah. Um, Are you missing anything of that, or like the control magic, maybe? Because mm, I didn't. I haven't see played that control magic. Bunch, I haven't played it in a really long time. Mm. Control magic, but divine offerings. I mean, when I'm saying that, like, I might take out these um, psychic purges. Mm. Maybe divine offering is good, um, depending on what I think people are bringing. Um, but I feel like shops is kind of here to stay because it's been putting up some good results. So yeah. uh, I feel like everyone's going to need to be equipped to deal with it. So yeah, divine offerings could do. Um, I, I've, I think I've tried dust to dust in the past and always been sitting there with like not enough targets kind okay. of thing. Um, whenever I brought it in and just feeling like an idiot. Uh, the other thing that actually my deck has some problems with is, is gloom sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, maybe that actually is not true anymore now that I'm looking at my deck. Um, no, it used anymore. to be that Gloom was a real was Yeah, a real you play like more Sorrow Angels and you play the Armageddons we mentioned. Yes, and you play, that's right. Yeah, You, you played two um, swords in the main also uh, earlier. Yeah, yeah, two swords, two disenchants. Okay, maybe Armageddons. we're about even, but like the more expensive stuff, I guess. Yeah. You, you couldn't play and, up um, maybe? So yeah, like I played, I got to the finals at Eternal Weekend, and that was against Will McGrant, um, who was on like a red-black ATOG thing. And he brought mm -hmm. in Gloom, and it just, I was sitting there with like a handful of white cards. I think the real issue was that my sideboard was Divine Offerings and okay. other white stuff. And so after, like in game two, my deck was like, you know, 50% white cards instead of what it was before. And yeah. uh, and that really kind of screwed me. So. And that that goes to the other card that I was thinking about, also affected by gloom. I guess you playing you did play earlier, like the circle protection red. Mm. You don't mm -hmm. feel that you need that anymore, and but that's also affected by gloom. Right. That's yeah, affected by gloom constantly. Um, I never. I mean, I never. I don't think I ever brought it in even. Maybe mm -hmm. in um, at Eternal Weekend that is, or yeah, maybe I brought it in against Will, and that and that was an extra screw factor. I can't remember actually. Okay, yeah, um, because he was on Atog and bolts and chains and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah I probably I probably totally brought that in against him. So in that case, I brought in 
two swords, two disenchants, two divine offerings, and two <laughs> circle protection reds. I probably brought in eight white cards, and I sided out eight non-white cards. And mm-hmm. then he played a gloom on turn two, and I was just like, all right, that's that's it <laughs> yeah so glue gloom and black wise is um yeah is trouble uh if you just play the divine offerings and uh, yeah and all the white removal yeah so i don't know there's other cards i need to kind of like reevaluate what the sideboard should look like um mm. at this point i don't feel like with the current iteration of my deck that i need to worry about gloom as much anymore but um i should definitely have some anti-black tech in this deck somehow um <laughs> i kind of like fringy weirder ones like or i used to play dervishes not that that's fringy or weird but like i, I do think dervishes is, is really great against mono black if they're bringing glooms but it's just not good against like an atog deck that's bringing gloom because they're just gonna bolt your dervish and it's not yeah. a big deal. so i don't know I, I don't know what the perfect like anti um gloom or anti-black deck card is maybe it's life force <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a bit spicy uh, yeah that's yeah. spicy but well, you know i feel like i've got room for spice at this point <laughs> what do you think Olam? What, what will you put in uh, i've actually since i started playing atlantic like a co- six months ago i really like the well maybe not exactly in this version but i really like the card slight of mind uh, mm-hmm I've been doing a lot of tricks with that. And uh, against Gloom, it can just kill the black opponent. That's true, yeah. Uh, ah, that's uh, cool. I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of American people play that card, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's there's so much uh, difference in, in the U.S. what cards you play compared to, to, Swedish, to Sweden. Uh, yeah. Which is funny, since Atlantic and Swedish is, is now pretty pretty close. I mean... Uh, there's some big differences but regarding the ban list i guess yeah uh, it's not that far but like the meta is yeah because here clearly the deck is the like usually does very good and it's a different kind of the deck like Orland mentioned mm-hmm. earlier uh, I guess we haven't had that one at tournaments lately because online tournaments has been atlantic Right. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think, Olan? Uh, why is that? It's mainly because of workshops, right? No, but it, I mean, workshops is considered probably the best matchup for the deck mm-hmm. uh, uh, among a lot of the top Atlantic players. Uh, I think a lot of people don't want to play the deck, but yeah, then again, Summer Derby, the biggest old school tournament, uh, was won by. Um, by the deck yeah so so yeah it, it keeps winning uh, but in like a lot of the tournaments like the remember the the havenwood battleground no the decks uh, was anyone at all playing the deck in lobstercom like i don't feel that people want to play them in mm. a lot of people want to play them in online tournaments yeah you might right and like Maybe Fall Empires enable more of some other decks that don't usually see play. You already told us all earlier that uh, people play mono black still, even though they're playing, they don't have Fall Empires. But like it enables a lot of things except mono black, maybe Fall Empires. Yeah. 
One of, one of the big differences, uh, as I see as well, is that in Sweden, Underworld Dream has been really popular for the eight years I've been playing. But I hmm. hardly see anyone in the US playing Underworld Dreams. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like I know maybe three people who are into that deck, um, and they haven't played it in a while. So uh, I don't know why that is. That's strange. I've been trying a lot of different versions with Underworld Dreams because I think it's such a sweet card and a lot of people is like, oh yeah, now I have five turns to, to win mm -hmm. like when, you, when you play it. If I got it right, you mainly, <laughs> you put in Mishras and now skip the birds is like the big part of it, I guess. Yeah, those were those would be the two big inflection points, I guess. And do you have any or you don't want to tell us yet if you <laughs> the next the next inflection? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to try thoughts? to win a tournament before I uh, yeah. <laughs> make too big of an inflection. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's good where it's at right now. I don't know what the next inflection would be mm. um, I think there was definitely aside from even just making those big changes it was more of a a general shift from playing a cute deck because I think when I started with the deck and, and said like oh this is going to be a bird's deck and it's going to play all five colors so I'm going to play the best cards from all the colors it wasn't just like the best cards to, to try to hone a really good deck it was like now I get to play all the fun cards. Like I would play one Shivan and one Modi. Um, so some of that early thing was more like, ooh, I want to play all these neat cards that I have um, in all these different colors. And so I think mm -hmm. it's, it's also been a general shift away from like the cuteness of wanting to have these um, iconic, you know, one-ups and trying to streamline the deck too. Yeah. So, um, you left uh, the Shivan and the, the Mahotmi and yeah. On the so I cut those kind of yeah. early and and um, a lot of it was actually a, like conversations I had with Svanta, mm -hmm. where I would send him my deck and I'd be like, "What do you think would actually like make this better?" And he'd be like, You're "Well, you going need to cut to the this, dark cut side this, here." <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I just kind of wanted to know what would make it better. Mm -hmm. um, and then once he told me, uh, he would always say like, "Why are you not playing?" Mishra's Factory, and I was like, "Well, my deck is five colors, and it's it's kind of it's scary to play these color colorless lands um, and not get to hit my colors." And once I kind of like got rid of that idea in my head um, and started playing, like once I embraced these Mishra's Factories, I started winning games, and I was like, "God damn it, he was right the whole time." Uh, and so okay, you know, yeah. that was one little change. And then, it's like the evil em emperor in Star exactly, Wars or yeah. yeah. But he makes so. you think he's like your friend while he's <laughs> telling you, he's whispering into your ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you like that, and you skip birds, and I think basically you already mentioned that's what I like when I see this deck. It's like you have the curve. It looks yeah, so. Yeah, I really like that one, two, three, four, five thing going on. Yeah, um, and still you the one. I don't two, know what three, would... four, five. It's not like because of all the moxen and like the fast banner. It usually means you have like you have a lot of plays to do each turn. Also. Yeah, know? and you can kind of fit it in. So if like if on turn three you've got like five mana, that might be a dib and a pixie or something. You know. Yeah. 
or it might be a Sarah. So it's like you can kind of choose. Like if it looks like your opponent's falling behind, maybe you want to play more smaller creatures. If your hmm. opponent's playing like one sort of medium range threat, maybe you want to play like a slightly bigger medium range threat. So yeah, it does give you some options. Yeah, um, and cool. it actually enables you playing uh, the mana drain in a way and. Mm-hmm. I don't know the Sonic Plus also uh, if he's on uh, maybe it sits with some mistress or whatever maybe an Atog you can play a threat and it's mm-hmm. a do, it's a lion or it's a pixie and right. like still do something instead of just sitting there on should I you need, may, needing to slam something and he does something even worse yeah uh, so Orlan do you have any what, what would you do uh, do you have any thoughts? You, you've uh, played a lot say, of Fantasy Zoo. What, what are your thoughts in general? on? I, I must say I really like the, the creature curve. I like um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 a lot more than 1, 1, 3, 4, 5 uh, with the birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think the pixies are really good. And as you said, so many people are playing workshops and the birds are just terrible in that matchup. Hmm. Yeah. So they are just a, they are basically a jump blocker or taking one counter of a Trisky in that matchup. Right. Yep. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm just a psychic purchase. I would change probably, uh, as you already mentioned. Uh, I will probably just um, yeah maybe add a slide of mind and some other cool cards. You never know what. I do like slide of mind actually, and. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna get rid of these four purges. I, I honestly think maybe I could go up a um, a uh, energy flux to have three yeah. because mm-hmm. it is so backbreaking to that deck um, that I really want to have it in my opening hand. You know, our so. uh, our good friend uh, Jonas Statin, the janitor. Uh, he when he played in Lobstercom, he won everything uh, except when the opponent played uh, energy flux yeah. with his yeah. shops deck. He said that it was like playing shops in Atlantic was a bit like playing dredge because you like either it's either way, <laughs> either either way you either you have like the whole board is scattered with things and like your opponent don't have anything mm. or he uh, plays actually, something affecting that. Actually, what he meant is he wins all games one and then the opponent tries okay, to, okay. To, to, to claw, <laughs> yeah, claw out uh, game two and three with the sideboard cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right, you're right. But uh, I feel that more people should play like creature-based decks. I I have a, like, it's a special place in my heart for playing all the... And uh, I really enjoy seeing your decks, Paul. Thank you. And uh, I will look forward to. And you mentioned you haven't. You, you the next step is you winning. Maybe you're. That's why you're talking with Swante also. He's the. He always <laughs> was the second. <laughs> yeah. He always came second. The first loser. Yeah, uh, and yeah. now I'm the. I'm the second first loser because yeah. i always come in second yeah. now <laughs> so it's 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 so fun when you played the uh, the finals against Swante. i know yeah it was uh, like the, the world the, was gonna the, implode because one of us has to win <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well that that maybe was that was what was needed for him to mm-hmm. make the curse so i don't know you need to find your another My, uh, second uh, like first loser yeah. guy 
like I don't know uh, who that is right now. In wrestling, in wrestling, they call it like the heel. You know. Okay. Is the person who takes the fall, so you can yeah. be the champion. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah, I need to find my heel. <laughs> we need to do that. So, guys, uh, have we left out anything? Do you think? Regarding this deck, and uh, do we have any more advice or anything if you're going about building more uh, Jurassic Paul builds? I like the name, I think. You know, <laughs> it's grown on me over this past hour or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to put, put it in there. I'm yeah. putting it in the hat. <laughs> I know, yeah. I noticed, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, Paul, uh, it was really nice for you to be able to have spend some time with us uh, yeah. if anyone would like to find you on social media where yep. should they look i am on facebook as paul da silva mm-hmm. i'm on instagram as 8-bit mtg with an underscore in the middle um that's it i don't know <laughs> on the discord too same yeah. name and not a twitter guy uh, no, I've never been a Twitter guy. Yeah, but I see either. that there's a lot of Twitter activity. I started um, using Twitter a bit because, like, I feel that, especially in old school, there's like a Twitter community and a Instagram community. I feel like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they they do either. There's not that many people. Like you talk with Bano, he's not an Instagram guy. He's more yeah. of a Twitter guy. Yeah. And you and I, I think, are more of Instagram guys. Yeah. Olan, what kind of guy are you? Well, um, I would say you are only using Twitter, so you have another place to post your bad memes at. Yes, yeah. you're right. <laughs> That's right. my. But yeah, now, actually, I'm I'm using Facebook. T- uh, I started using my Twitter account again, and uh, and uh, yeah, Instagram with some random crap, and then my blog, uh, which I started this summer. So, yeah. And it's at Aginamist. Yeah, blog.aginamist.net. Yes. The dot Uh, net is a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, you can find me at MTG Sebsilia or I I think Sebsilia on Facebook. And uh, that's it for now. See you next time. Thank you for stopping by.